Welcome to the Powering Real Estate Podcast, sessions with top real estate business leaders and their strategies for success. Learn from some of the best in the industry. Join Lee Adkins as he talks to industry leaders on how they built and maintain their real estate business. Hey, Sarah, how are you today? Great, Lee. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Looking forward to diving in. So you are the operations director of North Group Real Estate in Toronto. Why don't you tell us a little bit about North Group Real Estate? Yeah, of course. So we are what we would call like a team brokerage hybrid. So we are a sub brokerage of Keller Williams. We have been around for a handful of years now, uh, roughly five. Uh, and in those that short time, we have uh, claimed the number two spot in all of Keller Williams, Canada. Uh, we write about $80 million a year in GCI or more. Um, and our team uh, is quite highly individually productive. We have a super high price point in Toronto, but we are very proud to say that most of our agents net around 250 post split. That's our average on our team. So highly productive agents and, and I'm really excited to be here. Awesome. Yeah, I love I love uh, we're going to dig deeper into that post split. I think that's a neat way to measure it. You know, GCI is is a great number, but it's definitely more about what you what you take home. So we're, we'll go there. What did you do briefly? Let's talk. What did you do before you got into this uh, crazy real estate game? Yeah, I, I, it's been said on your podcast before. I think a lot of people fall into real estate. So I was a business analyst for Target. Uh, Target had a small blip here in Canada. Uh, and then I fell into real estate because Target obviously folded in Canada. I was in need of a job. And I um, I met with our our founder, Rainmaker Amy, uh, just kind of passively. It was, it was a connection through a connection. And Basically, she won me over by saying that this is not just an admin role. She wants someone to help grow and build her company. And so she really sold opportunity. Uh, and the rest is history. And that was about seven years ago. That's awesome. I love that. And obviously, you and I have met at various conferences and been able to talk operations. And uh, it's, yeah, you're you're a perfect person to join us. So I really appreciate that. So let's talk a little bit, I think. Um, let's just open right into tracking. I know you guys track heavily. Tell me a little bit about what you track, how you track, like what do you guys do to uh, to track your numbers and volume? Yeah, that's a great question. So I, I think that your numbers are probably the most important aspect uh, as a business, but also um, getting your agents to be highly productive and successful. You can goal set, you can talk about the vision all day long, but if there's nothing to back it up, it really doesn't mean a lot. And so we make numbers a forefront of every piece of communication we have. For us on our team, the important metrics are obviously the passive numbers, things that they've written uh, or what's going on. So we track primarily written and closed. We, we I, this is maybe a Canadian thing, but we track GCI primarily because it does show the efforts and, and your ability to convert, but it also shows the commission you're able to pull in. Because if you just track sales volume, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have a discount in every conversation that you've been part of. So we track GCI primarily, and it, we look at it on a per agent basis. And what we've done on our team is we built our own sales trackers. And that sounds ambitious, but it's really not that hard to do. A lot of softwares track 
track your metrics for you quite well. There's some brilliant softwares out there. We all know that it's a dime a dozen in the real estate space. But what we found is a lot of them are really cumbersome to use or the agents won't actually get into them and use them because the second you put too many metrics in front of them, it gets overwhelming. Um, and a lot of times it doesn't actually track based off how your team does it. So on our team, we have different splits based off different scenarios. And so we needed a tracker that reflected that really cleanly and easily. So what we did was we've been using forever um, a Google Excel spreadsheet to track our numbers. And that sounds um, simpler than it is. It's quite a complicated spreadsheet, lots of formulas in there. But outside of that, Google Data Studio, actually it's a program that allows you to take kind of metrics and put them in a really visual, nice manner. So every agent on our team gets a customized dashboard. We worked with um, an Upwork or a Fiverr person to help us with the automation of that. But basically when a new agent joins our team, we add them to the sales tracker. They automatically get their own dashboard to them. And there's several tabs to it. And it's, it's first off really visually nice. That's in line with who we are as a team. Our marketing is really important. Our look is really important. But two, it makes the team want to go in there and check it out. Um, and so the main thing is a main dashboard. It shows their averages and they can kind of filter out between months or uh, a week or whatever time period they want. So it is a flexible, movable tracker. And it will show them so their average GCI, their average commission per deal. And then it breaks it down by month. It breaks it down by deal count. It breaks them down by lead source. And those type of things help them really see their strengths and weaknesses. Uh, and then we dialed it down on those numbers. So then a separate tab would be written. And that's based, that's for us important for contract and goal setting because closed, it's already done. It's hard to inspire out of closed. <laughs> um, and so that helps them kind of see where they're at if they're on track with their numbers and their art company benchmark. And then the closed tab, sorry if I confused myself there. So the written tab and then the closed tab is the same metrics, just based off a different date. Then we have um, a leaderboard. So the leaderboard is, is kind of controversial because a lot of teams or a lot of brokerages are really scared to compare team members, especially because we have team members that have been with us for five years. People have been with us for five months. We decided as a collective that we weren't afraid. We weren't afraid to show those numbers and that has been a game changer for us. Everyone is inherently competitive with each other and I think it's really, really awesome to see um, the growth and people cheering them on. To level the playing field, we do have a metric on this leaderboard that does compare it to their own personal goals. So that personal goal benchmarks allows someone that blindly comes in not to feel discouraged by the agent that is killing it versus them that have done one or two deals. And so that leaderboard is is probably the, the meat and potatoes what everyone looks at. That's like the piece de resistance or whatever you want to call it. Um, because the second someone does a big weekend, they, I get a message about making sure it gets updated on that sales tracker. So that leaderboard is really, really cool. And then we use it practically like an internal software. We have our North Group listing. So any listings that the team has that are coming soon, exclusive or active, get shown on there. And then of course, any pre-construction. So it's pretty comprehensive, but uh, it's, been, it's been kind of our uh, claim to fame with our agents. They love our sales tracker. That's great. And so did, did you guys originally just kind of build your own Google Sheet? And so it started with that. And then as you developed it, it got more complex. Yeah, that's exactly it. So I think everyone has their own version of some sort of sales tracking and software. And the beautiful thing about doing it for yourself or doing it internally is that 
it can never be bought out. I think sometimes as you grow as a business, you kind of reach these uh, these points where you, you, you hit a breaking point and have to level up whatever software you're using. And when you do it yourself, you're not overhauling or pulling things out. Like for instance, if we were to sell our website or go with a different website provider, we would essentially lose everything. When you build it yourself, that data is yours and you own it and you can kind of change it and manipulate it how you want. Yeah, that's um, right. And it's easier than you think, like there, because you can kind of set it up how you want to see it and dictate what you want to see. Um, it allow you tend to use it more because you're not kind of circumventing or working around a software that doesn't work for you. Right. Yeah, I love. We use that internally also, and I'm a huge. I mean, I don't personally do it, but I'm a huge fan of it as well. Um, we were actually reviewing some numbers later today, and just to see line graphs of our different year and hey, this you know. Look at this month. October is historically a big month for us. Whatever that is, it's really powerful to visualize it. Like we could have nine meetings around how, oh, October is always our biggest month, but to see it on a chart like the last five years, it just it just makes more sense. You can remember it. A hundred percent. And you know what the best part is? You don't have to prepare as extensively for those meetings. It's right. right in front of you. It's real time. You know it all the time. We used to, especially financial planning, dread those meetings, kind of prepare for weeks, go into like our projections where now it's a toggle of a button and we have it in front of us. Right. Yeah. I'm a big fan of that too. And I know you are as well. I kind of measure twice, cut once mentality of like, I'll do the work to get it in here, but then it's going to pay dividends once we once we get it right. And I think a lot of team leaders, and I mean, this is a little bit of an assumption, but I think as you scale your team, you kind of lose sight of the profit margins and in terms, because you just go, oh, I've got to, I've got to spend to be able to grow up or uh, to, to be able to develop. I have to, uh, we'll get there. We just need a couple more agents. When you actually have some measurable tools behind it, we all need accountability and there's nothing that holds you more accountability than or accountable to that dollar sign at the bottom there. Right, for sure. No, and I love that they have their kind of own individual version so they can, you know, check themselves before they now is the leaderboard public? Or is that something you go over? The leaderboard is public. So it is at, to the team, it's public. So then they can kind of compare. So we have a version that shows us that we have two versions of our sales tracker, one that's the agent facing that's locked to them, except for the leaderboard that's public. And then we have a company version that shows us the leaderboard, but also how much we've made off each agent. Profitability is not a bad word. You want to be profitable off each agent, but it helps us with our projections to know like, okay, on average, even though we projected this is how much if the perfect agent came by, we would make, this is what the reality is based off where, where they're writing. So um, the two different trackers really, really help us. That's great. Yeah, that's super cool. And I just want to reiterate to people that you guys started with something that you could make that was pretty simple. And then ultimately you found a way. I'm a huge fan of Upwork, Fiverr, all those sites to go find a Google Data Studio or Google Sheets specialist and you know pay them, pay them what they're worth to do a couple of hours potentially of, of their fancy spreadsheet thing and they have a beautiful dashboard. Yeah, I think, and that was that's my biggest fear is making this sound way more complicated than it is. Google Data Studio, it, it you can kind of function it and set it up. You could you don't even need an expert if you have some sort of Excel knowledge to be able to use it. We just for time and efficiency use the experts in that field, and and we've um, there's a couple of teams in our area that I've talked to that now set it up, and it, it you're not talking like a year of development when right. we're not it, the 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 format and the functionality is already there. You just have to tell it what you want to see. Right. 
Cool. No, yeah, I, I, I love that. And I think, uh, but I, I was the same way at first when I first saw it. I'm like, oh my goodness, this crazy pie chart. How do we, I'm like, it's just a spreadsheet. It's really yeah. Simple. Yeah. It's pretty simple. So how do you guys, let's go a little deeper on that, just in the sense of like, you mentioned some of the way, ways you guys use it, but from a counseling agent perspective, do you guys have like mentors or sales managers or do you have quarterly? Like, how do you, how do you, how do you guys interact with the agents on that data? Yeah, we've learned a lot of lessons. Let me just say that because I think when we went into it, we were like, we're going to sit with them every week, go over their numbers, get them accountable. And at the end of the day, most people didn't get into real estate to have babysitters. Um, and you want to trust your agents. And I mean, this every team and every brokerage is set up slightly differently. But for us, we just heard our agents and we knew that we weren't going to make anyone more productive than they were going to do that themselves. And I, th I think you'll hear that a lot but i think that that's a hard lesson to learn it's one of those things where you, you you say that in lip service but then you're also going oh my gosh why hasn't johnny smith wrote a deal this month and you're you're starting you freak out for them and so what we've done is we took a step back and go okay we're going to allow our agents to be independent we will just set loose benchmarks of the expectations and drive with a culture that they that this is what it takes to be an agent on our team. So on our team, we have a $100,000 benchmark minimum net to them. And so when we talk in language, we are always talking about what's net to the agent, not because we don't want them to think about what the profit the, profit the company makes. It's not about that, but it is about them having their personal goals and, and they have self-interest, right? So they are only really interested in what's going in their bank account at the end of the day. So $100,000 minimum to them. And then we break it out in quarterly. So we definitely don't have meetings every single week, but I, I will explain the structures we have. What is mandatory on our team is quarterly business planning sessions. And logistically, as a leadership team, doing them quarterly just saves you so much time and energy because you can just block out a day or two and do them all together. And in preparation for those, we just look at the quarter of what they're doing and then ask them about their pipeline, go over their numbers, see if they're on track. And it's not a cut and dry, like if they're not on track, we obviously try to evaluate the reasons why. Is it a North Group problem? Is it a lead problem? Is it a conversion, scripting, whatever it is, and then get them the resources to help that. And, and, um, and that works generally for our more experienced agents or agents that are kind of a year plus in the business. A new agent, obviously, it's very hard to say, hit this benchmark without any guideline uh, or just kind of like, obviously, we, we train and stuff. Right, but some really, arbitrary number. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't mean anything to them. So what we do, do have is um, accountability groups. And so that's less about the numbers and the tracking, but the accountability groups allow us to connect with those agents that are kind of starting off and kicking off and leverage the team to support each other. Uh, and then we have a mentorship program. So our agents pay a percentage of their split on the first five deals to a mentor. And it takes the onus off us as a leadership team to try and train and service every single agent because we are not a huge conglomerate that has the time and resources to be able to do that, but we don't wanna say no to new agents. So what we do is we have minimum benchmarks if you wanna be a mentor on our team. And then if you are a new agent's less than six months, it's a mandatory program. Okay. And so doing that allows us to kind of find the balance with our with our new agent program and get them get them some numbers on the sales tracker. That's great. That's a really good benchmark. I love that. I love the idea that like, if you're less than six months, you have to do it. If you're more, you can opt in. It's probably recommended, but 
I'm not going to make them. They don't need to be babysitted, like you said. Yeah. Babysat, babysitted, babysat. <laughs> and it's really tempting when you're talking to a really great new agent to try and skip that and go, okay, well, we really want them. But I think it for us, it's about the standard and it's about um, the willingness to go through that program. And we've done it um, the last kind of class of agents that have done it have been immediately more productive out of the gate and it's just um it's made sure we we kind of keep the same standard of agent as we grow but it is tempting i will say it is tempting to when you when you talk to that rock star to just be like maybe <laughs> yeah i think i mean i think you make a great point and, and this happens consistently in conversations that i have and i think all of us want to portray or look like we know exactly what we're doing all the time but the reality of it is, is like you said, each class or each segment or each time this happens, it's always going to get a little bit better. And I think too many people have this expect this thought that a lot of us that have risen to a decent level in this part of the business just have it all figured out. And the reality of it is, is most people execute and then iterate on what was good and try to fix what fix what was bad, you know. Yeah. And I think the thing I always say at our, our leadership meetings is like the craziest thing about real estate is there's no rule book. You could have the exact same team or brokerage sitting around the table and all everyone would have a different way of the most successful way to make money, to generate leads, to track business. And, it, and it's so interesting to me how many different ideas there are, which is the best part about being in this role right. in this industry, but sometimes also the worst because right. there's no, it's not as black and white as it should be. Right. You got to pick a few and stick yeah. to them. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I love that. Well, another thing about you guys, which probably ties pretty closely into that, I know you guys, I mean, cult, culture is such an interesting word because like everybody throws it around, but you guys through your internal communications, I know have built a strong culture. So how do you guys overall as a company communicate? Yeah, that's a great question. So, well, practically we use a Slack communication tool for everything and it's just kind of, it is one of those things that's known and assumed on our team is if you want an answer, you want to communicate with someone, it is through Slack. Um, and I think that uh, a lot of teams attempt to use Slack and they kind of, they give agents permission to communicate outside of that. And in order to sustain that communication at the level we do, it, right from the beginning, all the training, onboarding, every kind of meeting is booked through communication in Slack. Obviously we pick up the phone, we meet each other in person, but there's something about using a platform and having everyone really involved with it, with it that creates a, a, a fantastic culture. We've used Slack for so long that it, it wouldn't make sense for us not to use it. And it doesn't have to be Slack. It's not like I'm tied to Slack. It's just the fact that we have a general communication and the way we broke down those channels really encourages people to discuss it in there. I think what I will say about the culture too is that it comes for, for us, um, and I know this is a little bit of like drinking the Kool-Aid, but it, it starts at the beginning with the who on our agent. We have, and I, I, I won't get too much into our onboarding process or our interview process, but during the interview process, the number one priority is are they within culture? And we have a culture code on our website and it's one of, we don't, we don't chant it at every team meeting or anything like that, but it does really define the who. And I would encourage any team or brokerage or even uh, agent admin relationship to have a really deep understanding of who they are and what they want to be and what character they want to portray. Um, and I, I would say for our team, that's so, so clear to us. And it, it, people pick up on it, people comment on it. And so you get really great people 
um, as part of your group. And when you get really great people, you have a lot of fun doing it. And when you have a lot of fun, then you have a really fantastic communication channel. Our, our, I'm looking at our Slack channel right now and it's just ridiculous with like advice and then a few memes and then a, a few like, new, it's a little bit of everything and um, no communication is kind of off topic. That's great. I love it. It's funny that it strikes me as such an interesting parallel to the Google Sheet thing, right? It's like you start with just a, a, a tool and like, yeah, we can communicate through this. But as you build out either different channels or different segments or whatever those things are, it starts to become more complex and, and even more useful because you've got a, hey, I need a quick answer channel. I mean, I'm making this up, but you got to, I need a quick answer channel. You've got a, hey, funny, you know, funny memes channel or whatever, and you still allow for that culture to, 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 to come through, but you also can allow people to get a quick answer when they need something or celebrate a contract or a closing or whatever. And I consider my whole job, it's obviously sometimes a little bit more than that, is to curate the systems and structures in which we use. So the principle I operate on is it's simple, easy to use and quick to access. And if it is, then the agents will use it. And I think one of the things as we grow, uh, as we've grown and as we continue to grow is to consciously edit those structures and those processes. And I think for us, Slack has continued to work, but we've, we've changed and evolved the way we do it. Uh, but sometimes it's hard to step back and edit or go, you know what, this isn't working anymore. And so some of the things we've changed is we used to uh, have agents just randomly drop their deals in the Slack channel and just we would all figure it as an admin, which works when you have way less agents. But as you grow, you do forms and softwares, but build it within your foundation that people know and like to use to get user adoption on for any company is really, really hard. So once you have it, find ways to make it work without disrupting the process, but also better smart. <laughs> Yeah, that that's really great, and, and and it is a powerful tool. And I like I like the way you said what you said. Like in some sense, it doesn't matter if it's Slack or Facebook Workplace or GroupMe or WhatsApp or whatever. It's 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 about that you guys have that. And I also love how you defined your your job. Like it is to to curate those things and to. I think the hardest thing in this business is that you do have to constantly pivot without changing everything or changing the big things because then nobody knows what to do, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I think it doesn't matter the size that you are. You always need someone that is trying to work on the business, not in the business. Right. And those lines get blurred all the time. That's easier right. said than done. But I think to you almost need like a day or, or um, a week every year where you're like, okay, let us stop and evaluate. Let us break the process. Right. Yeah, for, for sure. And then I know another thing that you guys are really big on, and I've seen it, I guess, from the outside is the right way to say it, but your, your overall agent retention and growth, like how, how do you guys, how do you guys look at that? Or how, how do you, what's your culture around that? How do you think about it? And then, what, yeah, what does that look like at North Group? Yeah, I think I'm really proud to say that we have a really, really strong retention on our team, which that is a conscious effort and it's a daily effort and it's a hard effort. Um, but we do, we've put some things in place that help us keep agents. And one is that we like to have fun and we're obviously a very positive group, but two is that we really have prioritized the agent's individual goals um, and, and made them ahead of our own. It's a collaborative goal. So starting right from the second someone joins our team, they're not just 
team members, they're team partners. And in that language, it kind of gives you an instruction for what we're about. We are partners in everything we do. Every decision gets made collaboratively to the best of our ability. You are as responsible for your success as we are, um, and then helps us guide kind of the next steps. And then also, um, we do things that help get feedback. And I think sometimes uh, you can go so long without actually wondering if it's working. And sometimes you just have to stop and ask. And right. you have to ask consciously and effectively, not just like, do you guys like this? It has to be, <laughs> how, how do you like our new software? It has to be a conscious kind of open forum for them to feel, listen, heard, um, and and that we will do something about it. So in, in line with our quarterly reviews, we kind of also look at what can we do to help serve you better? And what we do is a feedback loop. So a feedback loop is when we're in person, we do it on a form in person and everyone kind of gets locked in the room forced to answer. Um, or, but during COVID, we've done it uh, on a Google form. But they get a timeline and they get a deadline. And it's super, super simple. The concept's not mine, but it is definitely a brilliant one. We ask four things. What can we start doing? What can we stop doing? What can we keep doing? And what will you do? Or for the agents, what will I do uh, to contribute to North Group and their goals? Those four things are so effective because we get people that typically don't speak up or get ideas that we're not, we're kind of tunnel visioned against, or we get uh, some co collaboration or marketing ideas from, from people just because they, we've sat down and gave them a conscious opportunity to be heard. And sometimes it's not fun. Sometimes you don't love what you hear. Like they don't love certain lead programs that we've spent thousands of dollars on and, and things like that, but it is honest. The uh, the cool thing about the feedback loop too is it gets submitted anonymously. I mean, sometimes you can tell which agents just based off their personality, but but the, at the core is that they they won't be judged. And the final piece about this feedback loop is that we always always respond and within within a week's time, so that they know that we're taking it seriously, um, but also that it's not just lip service for whatever they wanted to say, that we consciously wanna respond and we respond in a meeting, part of our team meeting and, and give reasons why, yes, that's a great idea or no, so that they feel part of the conversation. So that really, really helps with retention in terms of that. Oh, that's a great idea. I, I, I love that and I think you're right, it's so key to follow through with it or to acknowledge it, maybe is the right word. You know, if you're not going to, you can't, obviously you're not going to do all the things, but you know, when it does come up, you can say, Hey, and it gives you a little bit of chance. I don't want to say def defend is not the best choice of words, but it gives you guys a chance as a leadership team to say, you know, Hey, when we committed to this, we said we we're going to try it for six months. So we hear you, but we're going to give it another three months or we have a six month contract or whatever it is. Um, and then, you know, we'd love to get all of your feedback after after the six months. But 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 I want to emphasize the point that you made about uh, both taking it, acknowledging it, because that does create, again, that culture of like, oh, hey, I'm not afraid to say, hey, I have an idea or, hey, I see this. I mean, you made the point earlier that it is, you're so immersed and it is hard sometimes to see these little things. And other people can see that blind spot sometimes that even you can't and say, hey, what about this little thing? Or what if we had a Slack channel that did this? Or what if our what if our reporting also had this in it? You know, like they can literally make the whole company better. 
Yeah. And it builds trust too, because if they actually feel heard and they feel respected, then they, they, next time you do it, they're more inclined to bring even more ideas or they just bring it to the table whenever the, the timing's right. It's kind of, a, I always describe this to anyone uh, coming to interview our team is that we have a very open door policy and there's not a strong level of hierarchy. There's organization for hierarchy and who to go to for what, but in terms of ideas, it's always the best idea wins. Uh, and that's kind of how we've operated for everything. And it makes it, it, makes it really fun. Um, and it, it does build kind of a culture of understanding with our team. That's great. I, I love that. I mean, those are all really key areas. And, you know, I think what I love about that is those are pretty scalable things, right? Somebody could do a lot of these things as a smaller or younger team or brokerage but they're all things that do generally scale up with you, you know? Yeah, and speaking of scale and that kind of collaborative idea is that we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to be the ones that thought of everything for the team, the ones that kind of come to them with an organized, distinct idea. And and that's, I think everyone's a little guilty of that. They are paying, our, our structure is they're paying part of their commission for the services, for the platform of marketing and operations and things like that. So you want to have it perfect, presented and packaged to them. And what we've realized that obviously that's important for recruiting an agent to the team to show our value, to show what we're about. But as we've scaled, obviously we've had the weaknesses of trying to scale all of our promises and we have had to kind of reevaluate what we've promised and what we're, we're capable of. Um, but then also that sometimes we just need to, we just need to ask and collaborate. For instance, we were writing a newsletter every single month that was getting okay open rates. Like we're pretty good at marketing, but at the end of the day, if it doesn't curate to what those specific agents database wants to hear, it didn't, it wasn't as effective as it could be. And what we noticed was a lot of the team were writing in their own newsletter anyways. So what we did was we developed a think tank. So every time we do the newsletter, we go, okay, what are the top five things you want to hear? Rather than us just having our marketing person write a newsletter that's going to be pretty generic and get sent out or whatever marketing company tells us is the best thing to send. We collaborate with the agents on what they were going to otherwise send. And then they feel that they are getting value because their database gets what they want to hear. But also we get a really killer product at the end of the day. Yeah, that is such a great idea. I've never heard of that. And I love it. I mean, why not have people who are boots on the ground contribute to Hey, this new bakery opened or, Hey, all my clients are asking about this thing or that's, that's brilliant. I love that. Yeah. And I think you get the people that want to contribute and that will care about it. And the other ones that don't, it's okay. And you, right. you find a balance and then you, you just make sure to consciously, um, to, to pick and handpick people that you feel would be the best in that scenario or allow them to raise their hands to say, you know what, I'd love to be part of that think tank. So we yeah. do it now for our newsletters. We do it when we're updating our buyer and seller guides. We've just done it for like client experience and, and, and customer care. And we, we kind of, um, we've really leaned into getting feedback and getting collaboration. That's great. That's super, super cool. I, I really, I really love that. And how was that done? Is that done in Slack or is that a meeting or? Yeah. So we, we organize it, we gather like kind of a survey who wants to participate in Slack and then we do it in a meeting. So okay. we don't do it too much that uh, they take it for granted or it becomes a chore. And we are really conscious to be super prepared for these. So we pull all of the resources in advance that we would want to talk about it. I will curate prompting questions just to get the best out of people because you don't want to make it homework for 
them. You don't yeah. want me to make it additional work. Yeah. And if necessary, we'll bring in experts to also weigh in. So if it's about client services, we try to find like a company or a platform that does awesome client service and then bring it to initiate the conversation. So then it becomes more creative. It becomes more of an outlet. And we do it in person. We buy them lunch. We make it a, we make it an event really because we're asking them for something and then they're excited to do it. That's really cool. I, I really, really love that idea. And I appreciate you sharing that. It's really, it's really cool. So what about growth? So we talked about keeping people. We talked about measuring their numbers and making sure they're happy. What about adding new people? What do you got? You mentioned you guys could take newer agents or seasoned, but what does this look like? Or what's the, what's the big What's the big version of North Group? <laughs> yeah, I think we've spent the last couple of years really setting up our foundation. And this last year was the first year we consciously go went, okay, we have a strong, scalable foundation. Um, let's grow our agents. And so we're, we've become unapologetic about recruiting. And I think that was, that's actually sounds really silly, but it's one of those things where when you have a really great, tight-knit, smaller team, recruiting and bringing on people becomes a little bit of a, you don't want to disrupt the flow. Right. Um, and so we, we make it really apparent to our team what we're after. And we, we've said, you know, we want to be uh, the $5 million GCI team in two years. We're, we're about $3 million this year. Um, and so we, we have those conversations a lot more openly than we've ever had. It takes a lot not to be afraid of the profit or the growth or, or disrupting people, because if you're supporting the individual agent and what their personal goals are, it doesn't really matter if you have five agents or you have 50, as long as they feel like they're getting value and their, their experience is the same. And so uh, we have the people in place in terms of staff to be able to bring on more agents and we are actively recruiting to our team. Obviously, it's very hard to keep the culture as you grow. So we've kind of looked at the the, the things that work and the things that don't work and <laughs> as we've scaled. Um, and and we're just not afraid of it. We, yeah. we want to be a team. We want to be double in size by the, this time next year. And, and mark my words, we will be. Yeah, I, I have no doubt. But it's, it is. It's pretty amazing. I've just been in that situation so much. It's so interesting. Everybody's always worried about, oh, they're going to the leads aren't going to be as good or you're going to bring in somebody who's not a good fit or whatever. But once you get them involved in the process, I mean, are, are they recommending agents? They like co-op with somebody and say, Hey, this guy was great. Or this lady should, you should talk to her. Like, how does that all work? Yeah, actually, surprisingly so. I think um, because we've opened up the discussion to say like, hey, we are looking to get bigger, they kind of realize that the invitation is there. And one of the things we picked up on is that some we weren't making it obvious that there was um, opportunities on our team. And I think a lot of uh, successful, when they reach a level of success, they don't. There is a kind of an intimidation, uh, especially we are, are known for our culture, we're known for our team and, and who they are and the level of success our agents have. And so that creates like an unknown intimidation factor for our new agents to knock on the door because we're not openly going, hey, come talk to us, even right. though if you did, but we're, we're a lot of fun and we would probably have a great conversation. We're not doing, we weren't doing that. Um, and so that was the first step is like remove the barrier, be open about the fact that you can join our team. We uh, put, put a recruiting page on our website uh, and bought a URL that was more intuitive to actually recruiting agents. We openly have LinkedIn conversations and, and go to more events where, where we're more candid about the fact that someone can join our team. 
And that was the biggest difference maker because what it did tell the team too is that, um, hey, we can be exclusive, we can have an awesome culture, but we can also have an open door to um, more amazing people to be part of our team. And so that was, that was been a really great thing. And then also just developing our new agent program, because it is, it was um, kind of a stepping stone to go, okay, are we pigeonholing ourselves by only getting super productive agents uh, where they have different expectations for splits and standards and things like that versus training someone from the ground up? Because when you look at some of our most successful agents, they've actually been with us from uh, and, and uh, from a lower starting point and built success with us. So you kind of have to step back and go, okay, where is our success coming from? It is coming from training agents up to where they need to be to teaching us their standards, our processes, things like that. It's a lot more work, but where where are we skilled? It's there. Right. Yeah, that's great. And when you mentioned that, is that more of the mentor program that you talked about or do you guys have some additional kind of internal tools to train them up and get them get them going yeah so we have our mentor program and then also just we do generic training for our team and i say generic without it being generic at all i just mean that it's not catered to buyers 101 or sellers 101 we also do that because you have to do that i think strongly that any team has to train the process but what we do is we have northrop university so northrop university ngu as we call it we moved it internally and what we do is every wednesday we have a training and i think a lot of times brokerages look at this as like you need to be much bigger to do it we're doing it for our small team and we're bringing in the best people we can get in, in, in front of us. Um, we do it by Zoom, we'll do it in person, wherever we can get the best speaker, that's the platform we'll do. And what we do is again, to the feedback element is we ask the team what they wanna hear. Obviously we give them kind of structures or foundations, you're not looking for them to do our job, but we'll say, hey, I know a lot of you have been asking me about pre-construction. What would you think of if we brought pre-construction? What are your questions? Um, and so then what they do is they draw all the questions and we find speakers that are relevant. So I, I bring up pre-construction because that was our most recent Northrop University tract. So we'd like to keep it focused for a month on, on a specific topic just so people can get really involved. And we brought in a lawyer for pre-construction. We brought in a developer for pre-construction. We brought in just different people that were experts and better than us on the topic. So one, that they felt comfortable asking and two, that they felt more comfortable in front of their clients with what it is. Some of our most experienced agents still don't know aspects about the business. We're not, we all aren't perfect. And I think what happens is a certain point that you're too afraid to ask because you are experienced or because you've been doing it for a while, that you're afraid to ask the obvious questions. And so we've made it our mission to put the obvious answers in front of them so that they don't feel any type of way about getting the information. That's fantastic. That's a great way to say that. I think it's so true. And especially, yeah, the reality is we just focus on different things as our careers grow. And so, yeah, maybe there are seasoned agents who have never done that or have never, I mean, obviously in Toronto, there's a lot of condos, but you know, in Atlanta, there's people that have done fewer condo deals. So if they'd never sold a condo, that wouldn't be crazy. So, but I, I love that. I love the way that you're teeing that up and preparing it. Like that's super cool that you guys are prepping questions in advance because there's nothing worse than a, an agent one-on-one -on -one or even a group meeting, training meeting where it's like, what are we going to talk about? Well, I don't know. Well, you know, it's just, it doesn't set it off on, on the right foot, obviously. Well, and a key element to our Northrop University is that it's it's optional. Mm 
And that was scary at first because we were like, we're bringing in these awesome speakers. How embarrassing would it be if two people showed up? Um, and so you have to make the, it forces you, it forces your hand to make the topics exciting because, so that people actually show up. So it works. It's, we like a little personal challenge too. So it works in that sense so that you're, you're not driven to just fill the calendar. We will skip a week if we can't find a speaker. Obviously we're, we tend to be quite organized. We, we run ourselves very corporately. So everything's pretty planned out, but every so often, I mean, people are tired or exhausted and they just, you, you can tell the team's not going to be in front of a training this week. Yeah. We, we do kind of consciously step back and go, okay, we'll break for a week. That's great. No, that's super cool. Well, we covered a lot of stuff. It was all really valuable and interesting. Do you, do you have anything else um, that I didn't ask you or anything else to, to share on any of these topics? No, I really appreciate this podcast because I think one of the things is uh, with this industry to be successful is you can never stop learning and you need to learn through collaboration. And so I appreciate people like you that put it in front of us. Yeah, I think there's not enough of us that get to, to sit and have the conversation. Hopefully it's valuable for other people. And if people want to connect with you guys, you know, they can check out North Group online. You should follow, connect on social. Um, but uh, yeah, Sarah, thank, thank you so much for your time today. I really, really enjoyed it as always. Thank you as well. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy listening to Powering Real Estate, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. Subscribes and reviews help other people find us and allow us to keep interviewing top industry experts. If you're looking for a customized solution for your follow-up boss account or wanting a free assessment of your account, visit AmplifiedSolutions.com. There you can also find free resources and link with us. 